You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. The vibe. It was the vibe. It is a vibe. <laughs> All vibes. It was definitely the vibe. Anyway, welcome to Black Guy Therapy. If this is your first time listening to us, thank you. Um, we are a therapeutic podcast. That's what we call ourselves. We're a therapeutic podcast designed for black men to vent about issues that generally we probably wouldn't in everyday life. Um, again, welcome. We're glad you're here with us today. Um, hopefully we're going to have something that's, that, that will uh, move you a little bit. Anyway, what's up, Joe? Hello? Hello? Where's Joe? Yeah, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. What's up? Can you hear me? What's up? Hey, 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 hey brothers. How, y- how y'all doing? Doing all right. How you been? Hey, man, you know, one day at a time, same old same, but like I always say, everybody's happy and healthy over here, so I'm going to be quiet. Good. Good. Roy, you're here back with us again. You said you wasn't going to be a stranger, and you meant it. And you're here. Hey, man. A man is only as good as his word, right? I got to come back. Facts. <laughs> yeah, I guess he didn't tell a lie there. You know? <laughs> now, now, I don't know if I'm going to come back again. Well, we're glad to have you. If this was if this was church, I'd make you stand up, state your name, where you're from, <laughs> uh-huh. your church home, <laughs> coming yep. to us by the way of... <laughs> How many times? How many? Is this your first time here? Right. Yep. Been here a whole bunch of times. My first time standing up. Anyway, yep. Um, yep. welcome to both of you. I'm glad that that we are here. This isn't the house of the Lord, but hey, we are here together as brothers. I'm glad that we get to share this time because, again, we're a therapeutic podcast, and and this is time for us. and And I appreciate both of you uh, taking time out of your day um, to come and speak with me. And, you know, allowing the listeners out there to to hear what we got to say. So I thank both of you. Absolutely. Just happy to be here, man. Oh, no problem. No problem. Let's get to it. So I have some announcements before we get super started, right? Um, First announcement. We got a shout out. Um, We got we got a message from from one of our listeners and. Joel, I did share that with you, so you know what I'm talking about. I didn't share that with you, Roy, but um, we did get a message from one of our listeners and definitely echoed the fact, like, some of the things we were talking about were, were things that they were dealing with in real time. Um, and I just want to say that it's so important that we, that we again, take this time, and I sound like I'm like a, like a broken record, but we take this time to talk these things out. Because there are people who are going through these same issues and we may be, you know, something to help them. Absolutely. We're like, we're like medicine, essentially. Yeah. So. Yep. Agreed. I just want to say that. And and I want to say this, Todd, to, the, to that particular gentleman, that listener that has been support, because clearly they've been supporting us by listening to the different uh, episodes that we've been putting out. Keep on fighting a good fight. Hang in there. Uh, all is not lost. It never will be. And and as long as you've got a, a group of people, and I'm saying this 
with caution, but as long as you've got a, a group of people like us that are not necessarily telling you what you should do, but instead just sharing suggestions based off of our experiences, continue to leverage that information from a different perspective, but you know your situation better than anybody else. So continue to stay in there, fight the fight for you because you will be able to see some of that return on that investment uh, in other ways. It may not be the way you want to see it, but you'll be able to see it. So keep on fighting, man. Much appreciation for the support through these uh, this first uh, 16 months. 16 months, Todd. 16 oh months Has worth of recording. And Todd, to your point, I share with you via text about I actually started mentoring eighth graders for the um, this week. And I asked them, it, it brought it full circle back to the, the podcast that I was on about two weeks ago when we were talking about black men being the best version of themselves. And one of the things I asked the students, the five students that I were in my virtual mentoring class, I asked them, what do you want to get out of mentoring? And three of the five said, I want to learn how to make better decisions. And it really just goes back to learning and like having that moral compass and it just took it full circle. So, you know, the things that we talking about don't just affect people our age, but you know, eighth graders are going through the same thing as well. Absolutely. 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 And and I'm glad that, that you shared that not only with me, I, I, I remember you sharing it with me and I probably was going to bring it up, but I've had so much go on this week. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you good. But, but it, it is very important that we hear these things, right? Because, you know, and, and I'll share this with Joel. When we first started this, I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know Likewise. how long it was going to last. <laughs> you know you know how it goes. A lot of times you yes, start sir. something and then you're like, all right, it fizzles out. Yep. But like you said, we've been doing this for 16 months. Yep. So, and we're, we're that far in and we're still going and we're still happy to be doing this. So, um, yes. And with us happy to be doing this, this is the start of season four, I believe. Three. Three. This is three. No, I think this is four, buddy. I think this is four. Is yep. This is season four. Okay. Right. I'll defer. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna big boy you. This is four. <laughs> you got so, it, brother. And even if it's not four, we're gonna make it four. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, let's do something different. This is Joe's season. This is the season of Joel. And in the season of Joel, Joel will be curating all the topics for this season. Um, oh, man. This is this is going to be fun because now I'm going to sit back and kind of play off Joel. It's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, welcome to season four. We are in the glorious 16th month. <laughs> And uh, hopefully we can we can give you some more good things this season like we did last. So, Joe, without further ado, it's all you, baby. Well, hey, number one, thank you uh, for turning the reins over. I, I hope I can do us justice uh, and not get too wordy. But I did want to kind of shift gears a little bit for this season. Uh, and because of something personal that I'm dealing with or going through, I, I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to steer away from a lot of the more political or racially driven topics that we've been on for for those first several episodes. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about just black men and how we deal with things like like loss, for instance, 
And, and this was a great topic and a time for me because my grandmother is, she's been suffering from dementia for the better part of 10 years now. And during that 10 year span, there's been at least three separate times where we got that call and it's like, hey, we don't anticipate her living too much longer, blah, blah, blah. And we're kind of preparing our minds and everything to, to be able to deal with this loss uh, from the matriarch of, of our family. And magically, mythically, mysteriously, she bounces back. Um, but we recently received that same call. And, and this time it's a little different. You know, there are a lot of different components to, to look at. Um, in terms of health right now. And she's also 86 years old, 87 years old. So the reality is she doesn't have much longer anyway. Right. And I got to thinking, is it wrong for me, number one, to be asking these prayers, begging God to keep her here when number one, she's not in her right state of mind. So she's more than likely suffering. She used to have those moments of clarity. She doesn't have those anymore. So she's 100% gone in terms of her mental abilities to deal with situations. And I was wondering, am I wrong for wanting, asking these prayers like, God, you know, keep her here, help her, blah, blah, blah. Or should I be asking God to, to ease her suffering and her pain and take her from us and allow her to get that rest that she so desperately needs? And the reason why I think this is important, because I think about the situation I come from back, I'm from Inkster, Michigan, City outside of Detroit, anybody familiar with Detroit more than likely is familiar with Inkster. And when somebody would die, the automatic was, hey, rest in heaven, rest in paradise. It didn't matter what that person was doing. They could have been a horrible person, but that was the narrative. And it got me to thinking about my grandmother. And I'm like, man, my grandmother, she was able to accomplish a lot. If she could look at her grandkids now with her right state of mind, she would be happy with even though it sucked the situation she had to deal with with her her husband and her children looking at where her grandchildren were able to get to and now it brings me to this point that i wanted to lay here on the episode how do you deal on a personal level with loss of a loved one and does the situation that that person is in dictate the level of emotion associated and i and i'll say this then i'll shut up the reason i'm asking that question if my wife christina were to be hurt or were to pass it would devastate me it would tear my life apart my grandmother 87 years old lived her life i lived with her for the entire until i was about 24 years old i lived with my grandmother am i is it weird that I don't have that same level of emotion if my grandmother were to pass to the point where I'm like, God, go ahead and take her either suffering or does that make sense? So I leave that there and I'll let you gents go ahead and pick it up. Well, I mean, and it, sorry to hear about that. First off. Um, Thank you. So just, and obviously I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about it, right? I hear, I hear this story. I mean, I'm I'm similar to you in in terms of having a grandmother raise me, you know, and and I think that that's something that's pretty common in in you know our, our society, right? Like yeah. brown brown skin people, African of African descent, <laughs> even 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 you know of Latino descent, whatever. But 
I don't I don't think I don't think that it's selfish. Well, actually, I lied. I think that it is selfish to want that, right? But I think that that's a cultural thing. Obviously, we we've grown up in 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 this American culture. To, and let's just be real. I mean, a lot of this culture is, is surrounded by greed. I mean, I'm yeah. just I'm just saying that, right? Or in my opinion, let me say, let me quantify that. In my opinion, I think a lot of it's centered around greed and and me, me, me. So to have those thoughts and to think that, yeah, we're being selfish. Because I think about I think about our 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 African brothers and sisters. When I read stories about like older um black people, right? When they're at the end of their life, the family prepares, right? Not only do they prepare, but they start doing ceremonies and things to help them to get to the other side. You know what I'm saying? Like peacefully. Yep. Right? And 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 based on our culture, the, the culture that we live in right now, with that with that greed and me, 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 we don't we we've lost that connection that, that we used to have, right? So I do think that it's kind of selfish that we think that way, but it's not our fault. I don't think that it's our fault at all to, to, to have those thoughts because that's that's how we've been raised in this culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I feel like that makes sense. And as a person of faith, when I believe, you know, what my set of religious beliefs are, I feel that we go to heaven after we pass. And so when I see, like I've had my grand, I've had my grandmother and my great grandmother pass in the last two years. And so I saw similar to what Joel is seeing, like they're suffering. And as much as I want to keep them here, I know, you know, based off what I believe that there's a better place for them to be to where they can rest peacefully. And so that's what I want for them. Like, I never want to see like family suffering like that. I want them to be as comfortable and as at peace as possible. And seeing my like grandmother in a hospital and, you know, at, at the time she was, she had lost her eyesight and she couldn't you know tell the difference between me and my uncles, you know, that's not how you want to remember your grandmother. Yes. And so, um, I, even before she passed, I was at peace knowing that she lived a full life. She helped raise six kids, five kids and manifested countless grandchildren. So like right. her, her legacy, her imprint will always be around me through my family. And so, you know, I, it, it just, but it comforts me to know that, you know, she's not suffering anymore. And so that's how I kind of approach that with my own grandmother. See, and, and, you know, I, I think I, so I haven't lost a grand, well, I guess I have lost a grandmother, but one that I didn't really know. Right. Um, and I've lost a, a great grandfather, one that I knew very well. Um, he had dementia, right? Um, but I, I lost an uncle who was like a brother to me, right? Because 
we basically, again, growing up with my grandmother, like my uncle was in the house. He was still in, um, when I was little, he was still in high school. So, you know, growing up, sleeping in the same room as him, like practically like a brother. And um, I'll never forget when I was, I, I was a freshman in college and like he went to the, I think he went to the doctor, like he had like a stomach ache or something. And then like not even 24 hours later, he's like in the ER and I think his liver shut down and everything else shut down too. I, I honestly think he probably had like a late stage cancer and never got it check, checked out, which is another thing. Make sure if, if you got something wrong, go get it checked out. Yes. But, but I say that to say like the pain that I could see in his eyes, like I still remember the tube down his throat. He couldn't talk. He couldn't do anything. All he could do was move. Um, and I remember talking and I'm just, and like you said, like I'm praying, like, please just make it through. And, yeah. and the, that's the selfish person in me. But, you know, thinking back on it, it's like, man, I probably should have prayed to just, hey, you need to, this plane may not be for you. You may need to go on across to the next plane. And I let me make sure that you get there safety, safely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's really, this is something that really makes you think like, wow, I am being selfish. And I guess it's okay to be selfish. Like, I'm not saying that it's it's not okay to be selfish. Because like you said, if your wife died, if my wife died, be devastated. Yeah. You don't want that to happen. But at the same time, you have to, I guess you have to come to terms with, hey, look, this is going to happen. Let me make sure that I get you to where you need to go safely, safely. And let me make sure that I'm doing what I need to do on this side. If I'm still going to be on this, this plane. I, man, y'all, everything y'all are saying, I, I'm right there, lockstep. And and it makes me think about uh, the movie Black Panther. There was a line in there where T'Challa went to the ancestral plane. He was talking to his father and he said, I'm not ready. And he told and T'Chaka told T'Challa, he's like, well, haven't I been preparing you this whole time for this yeah, for in terms dad. of being a yeah, for, for being a king? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, he's like, well, I'm not ready for you to leave. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said the worst thing that a father can do is not prepare his children for his death. Yep. And, and I, man, it sat on me because I'm like, man, am I, am I talking to my children about this? Am I letting them know, Hey, one day I'm not going to be here and not scare tactics, but realistically, I'm not going to be here. I need you to be able to do this. I need you to be capable of doing this. My job while I'm here is to to impart whatever little bit of wisdom I may have on you so that when I'm gone, you're equipped to deal with it. You're equipped to handle it. You understand? And, and Todd, we talk about this all the time. One of the things I love about sports, sports truly prepares you for life. When you think about a turnover in basketball, for instance, you get a steal, you come down, you miss a layup. The other team gets it. They go down, they make a shot. You come down, you make a shot. There's such a change of emotion every single play. And I think in life, it's the same thing, but we have not properly prepared for how to deal with these situations. And when I when I thought about this, I'm thinking black guy therapy. Far too often, we don't allow our emotion to, to be... Uh, I'm going to say this 
in this way just so uh, so I can kind of make it try to make it make sense but we don't allow our mo- emotions to be fulfilled so instead of fully experiencing whatever that emotion is especially during a time of grief or loss letting it out instead of trying to keep it in trying to trying to be tough trying to be strong letting it out then being able to bounce back and I think it's the same thing in sports it's like hey I know I'm not going to make every single shot. I'm not going to make all the right passes. I'm going to do something that I regret and I got to find a way to try to make it better the next go. In life, it's, hey, I'm going to lose a friend. I'm going to lose a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a friend, whatever it is. Something is going to happen. Am I prepared to deal with that? When I become a parent, am I preparing my children to deal with this? Because some people never get that help. And, and as an adult, they are devastated. They can literally cannot move forward at the loss of a parent. And that's sad. And I get it. Like if my, something were to happen to my mom, even, it would tear me down. But I know right now I would be able to move forward eventually. Once I fully dealt with the emotion, I would be able to move forward. Yeah. Interesting. And Joel, I can I can speak to that experience myself because I lost my dad when I was 21, when I was in college. And my dad was a strong, strong black man. And so even though I knew he was in the hospital, he would always tell me I'm doing fine. I'll be out in a couple months or I'll be out next week. And the only person that ever really told me how bad it really was for him because he would never want me to come to Atlanta to see him in the hospital because he was so focused on, I want my son to get his degree and get his job and have his own life was my, was my uncle on my mom's side. And he literally said, you need to go see your dad. He's not doing well. Cause my dad lived in Atlanta and so did my mom's brother, my mom. And before I got to do that, he passed away. And I was not prepared to handle that. And I handled it in a completely wrong way. I even remember the night that he passed, I was around a group of friends and I didn't know what to do. And so being a college student, what I knew to do when I wasn't feeling, if I was down in the dumps or whatnot, it was to go out. It was to go have fun with my friends, go to a bar, have a few drinks. And that was the complete wrong way to handle all of the emotions that I was going through. And I even had to, um, I remember driving to Atlanta by myself to um, my uncle's house. And it was the longest three hour ride I've ever had in my life because you're just trapped in the car with all your thoughts. Yes. And no one, I mean, obviously you can call someone on the road, but it's just not the same as having someone there. I probably shouldn't even driven by myself. I probably shouldn't even be in the one behind the wheel. And even in the aftermath, I went back to college immediately because I was taking summer classes. And I really should have just went home. And I really should have just had that time with family. And I said, no, like, I, I just want to go back to my what I thought was my comfort zone at the time. And it was, you know, it manifested itself 
and a lot of poor decisions that I'm glad didn't alter my life in any major way, but could have. And to your point is like, yeah, I mean, if you're, I would say that if your kid, if your kids are of an age to where that you think they could understand things like that, I would say prepare them as best you can. I mean, you know your kids better than I do, and I would never tell you how to parent your child. Your child, um, but I know as a person that wasn't prepared, even at the age of twenty-one, you know it. It stopped me in my tracks for a while. And you know, I'm I'm just thinking. <clears throat> I'm thinking about this. I'm 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 just taking it all in, right? So. At the end of the day, I got to remember, remember, like, yeah, we're human, we're smart, or supposedly we're smart. We don't make the greatest decisions sometimes. But um, in terms of um, what, what am I looking for? In terms of knowledge, I guess we're the, 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 the top of the, the mammal food chain right now, right? But at the, at the end of the day, I got to remember that we're still like mammals. Like it, and it's weird because... I don't know if y'all know anything about like wolves. Wolves run in a pack, right? So if a, when wolves run in a pack, the older wolves are um, in the front of the pack mm-hmm. because the if if something obviously they move a little bit slow. Well, let me let me go all the way back. First, there's one wolf that leads the whole pack. He's he the goes alpha. about ten or fifteen feet in front of everybody else he's the alpha the alpha male right behind him is the older wolves right and behind the older wolves are the the younger more spry ready wolves and sprinkled in between them are the smaller wolves like the you know the children the baby wolves now you have this alpha male who's leading the pack then you have the older ones in the front because let's be real they know the, I mean, wolves are smart enough to know, like, they, if they were in the back, A, they would slow us down, right? So let's let them pace us. And B, we can't see it if something happens. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think, obviously, I'm, and I'm using these, I'm using this, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when a, when, a, when a wolf comes to the end of its life, even if they were in the front of that pack, they will fall out of the pack and they'll go by themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something to be said about that because the, the alpha wolf has to turn around and look around, make sure everybody's still there. And he sees the one wolf who, who falls out of the pack and is by themselves. He knows that, that it, it, that wolf's life is about to be over. And that wolf also knows that life is about to be over. That's why they remove themselves from the pack because they know that their time is done right like it's like they've almost come to this realization i've done what i need to do i'm here this is where i'm going to be thank you for the ride and and roy you know i think and and this is just my interpretation of it maybe your father he was like i'm fine he didn't want you to worry about him because he knew that you had to do what you needed to do in order to be where you needed to be and and maybe just like the wolf that's that's the that's a parent or the or an, an elder saying, "Hey, I'm my time is up. You have to keep going forward. 
I'm I'm still here with you. You will always remember me. As long as you remember me, I'm never forgotten. And I think that's the same way with the wolves, right? They're always going to remember that wolf, although they're not there. I'm just, and I, and that's all I'm saying. I mean, I may have rambled about that, but I don't know. No, I, I like what you said, and, and I'll tell a quick story. Uh, this, and this is probably one of the first times I've ever shared this, but uh, when I first moved here to Nashville, it was 2006. And growing up, <laughs> I never knew my father, never knew that side. But my grandmother, my father's mother, would occasionally just like write letters, call the house every once in a while. So I didn't have a real relationship or a connection, but it was always that I knew they existed because she continued to, to keep up every once in a while. My father died in maybe 2007. And when he died, my grandmother reached out and she, she let me know he died. And they were like, we would really love for you to come to the funeral. Now, mind you, I had never met anybody on my father's side, never. And I was living here and I was like, I, I, I don't know what it was, but something was just like, you got to go. So I go. Uh, they were in Columbus, Ohio, and I, I went and I got to meet this whole side of the family and it was, that was an experience in itself. But the day of the funeral, I remember going up to the casket when it came time for the family. And it was like this scary, eerie, weird feeling that came over me as I'm looking over my father. First time I'd ever seen him in person, I'd seen pictures and, and his young pictures in mine. It, it's, it's, it's crazy how much we look alike. So this is all I have is this image of him healthy i get to the funeral i see him he's gone and he looks extremely aged like he was going through it and it was one of the hardest situations i've ever gone through but i felt like when i did it i gained so much character and perspective afterwards and i think about it even today like i'm sitting there with a bunch of strangers and even when i go up to look into my father's casket I can feel the entire audience. It's like they're staring at me, waiting for my next move. Like, what am I going to do? We've never seen his son before. He's never seen us. How's he going to respond? And I, I didn't have any emotions like sadness. It was just this crazy, eerie feeling that took over me. And, and I thought about it later, and I was like, man, I wonder if a lot of the reasons why I made certain decisions, whether it was dating a certain girl, was because of the things that I didn't have as a result of my father not being there. And even me not being able to emotionally deal with or understanding the emotions as I'm looking into his casket, as an adult, I'm like, how did this impact me? Because I think that's the one thing that we don't do enough of is trying to figure out when we have these traumatic situations, uh, obviously stress is real, PTSD is real, but when we have these situations, how do we actually deal with it? And I realized as I got older, I never dealt with my father passing. Even though we didn't have a relationship, I still never really dealt with it. Like, was I angry with him for not being there? Was I was I okay for real? Was I was I I didn't know how to process that information. So even now, when I think about my grandmother, who potentially is 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 not gonna be here for for the rest of the year, you you know, right. it's like 
<clears throat> how am I dealing with this for real? And the reason why I wanted to make sure we talked about this, because I feel like we've done a great job of addressing issues that we face in everyday world. But what about on the personal level? How do we deal with that for real? And I don't have the answer. So, so even me thinking about my father's passing, I have no idea if I handled that situation the right way or not. I don't know if there are lingering impacts from how I dealt with it. So, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there for y'all. And if there are any thoughts on that, I, I would love to hear them. And maybe it's hard for me because I, I have not, fortunately, I haven't lost a parent yet. I, I mean, I, obviously, I understand that it's going to happen, right? But I haven't yet. So maybe, you know, maybe it's harder for me to, I don't know, exp- not even express, but just, well, yeah, I guess it is express like things about it because I've never, I've never been in that situation. But it sounds like right. both of you have been in that situation. Yeah. And, and Joel, I, I had that similar experience. I did have a relationship with my father. It wasn't as close as it was, you know, in my, when I was a, a kid, when I was a you know, younger kid, we were a little bit more distant when he passed. And by the, and by, at the time that he was passed or the time around he got sick, he and I were developing a stronger relationship. Mm. And, you know, I finally got to a place where, you know, there was a time in my life where I didn't see him at all mostly from about middle school through um, all through high school. I just didn't hear from him, didn't see him all that much. Um, and he made a concerted effort when I went to college to start building that trust with me again. And when he passed was, was when I was at the point where I, f- at the point of forgiveness, but not formally had d- done it yet. And he passed. And so when I went to Atlanta, and we, I, the first time I went to go view his body and all my family was there and I walk in and I just broke down mm. like in the middle of everybody. And like, I don't think people could understand those emotions because my dad was a very private person. So he, I don't think anyone understood what the nature of our relationship was. And so, you know, that part hurt a lot. And, you know, to and, and not knowing how, you know, like I said, he was a strong black man. He was a lawyer for the city of Atlanta. And he was a hard ass. And, you know, the last time I saw him was in the hospital. And so that's to this day is like, I don't want to go to hospitals because right. the last place where I go to see people that I love. Um, and one of the things I would also like to touch on is we've talked a lot about maybe losing a parent or a grandfather, but I've also lost a younger cousin. Mm. And so if I had to list like the most life changing moment of my life, it's when I lost my cousin. You know, I've lo- I lost my grandfather when I was eight. I lost. Um, but my but my cousin, when he passed, was the one that hurt the most. Because when I said my uncle passed when I was 17, that was his son. And right. so obviously when that happens, the whole family has to pitch in because he was, I believe, it was around seven or eight when that happened. Seven, 
six or seven when that happened. And so I took a greater responsibility in his life and helping to be- him become a man, trying to set a role model for him. Like he was my shadow. Right. Like, everything that I did, he wanted to do. Like I, to the point where like my, one of my first jobs was pushing carts at Sam's club. He said he, that that was his dream job. Like, wow. I would never tell anyone to push cards at Sam's Club. But, and he ended up um, going to FAMU in Tallahassee. I remember dropping him off at college and he was coming back up. I believe it was a sophomore year. And he, he, he brought his girlfriend home, which I have never brought a girlfriend home. So just like the courage of that he had the charisma that he had, the intelligence that he had. I just admired all of those things about him. And on the day before he was supposed to leave, um, he brought his girlfriend, he was been huge into photography and he brought his girlfriend and um, two of his friends downtown. And they were taking pictures by the river and whatnot. And I also live in downtown Memphis. And I saw on Snapchat that they were downtown. So I was like, man, what are you doing in my hood? Just joking with them. And I almost invited them to my apartment, but I was doing laundry that day. And okay. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like having them see all my messy apartment right now. And then they leave. And then the next morning, at about three o'clock in the morning, I get a call that he had passed in a car accident at around seven or eight o'clock. And it really messed me up because it's not that I blamed myself for it, it's that I played that moment over and over and over again. It's like, what if I had my laundry done? I would have told him to come to my apartment. Yep. Maybe I altered time just a little bit to where that car accident doesn't happen. And just the fact that I put so much love into him to help him, to, for me to do my part, to play a small part in, in the man that he ended up becoming and for him not to be able to fully realize his true potential, you know, really hurt a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, that was three years ago. And so, and one of my colleagues at work just went through a very similar circumstance with a cousin. And one of the things she asked me, he goes, did you go to therapy? And I said, no, but I should have. Yeah. Yeah. We should normalize that. Yeah. And, and, and Roy, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I don't think, I don't think we know how important it is to hear people going through similar type of situations until you hear a situation that is similar and, and all those emotions come back to you. And it's like, dang, I wish I could have dealt with these emotions at the time as opposed to now being grown and I don't know the true impact that it had. And, and when you think about stuff like that, I, and I'll give, I'll share another story. I grew up with a, with a kid, one of my best friends, white guy, black guy. We went to the school from kindergarten on up to sixth grade until he went on to his other, uh, other school. But he was, he, he went down a different path. He just, he was, acting out just doing crazy things and i remember one of the last times i was able to really really hang out with him i went i spent the night at his house and we snuck out it was him 
his cousin and myself and his mom caught us before we could get out the backyard uh and uh, you know we get in trouble of course she calls my mom and tells her what happened and you know my mom is going off on me and fast forward this dude has all these various issues with drugs with his health and all these other things and we reconnected over facebook and he winds up due to drugs passing and it messed me up because I was able to consistently go and look back at that conversation. Some of those last conversations we had in every conversation it was him saying the same stuff like, man, I'm so proud of you. I look at your family. Everything is so beautiful. And this is early, early on when, when I met my wife and he's like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just so happy for you, blah, blah, blah. And then he passes. And again, it's one of those situations where I know I didn't deal with it for real because it was like I hadn't really been around him. We hadn't really been in connection and communication, but via social media, we were able to catch up. And, and it, you know, it, it just sucks when you think about situations like that because it's like, man, to your point, like, what if we would have stayed friends? What if? I could have helped him get away from that path. This dude died. He was like 30. You, you know what I mean? Like super young and passed because of a path that he, that he wound up choosing. And we all can make choices that take us down that path. All of us have probably made decisions where the result of that decision could have been we're not here today. I know that that's the case for me for sure. And I'm just like, man, what if what if we had been closer? What if we talked more? What if this? What if that? And it's nothing that you can do. And it's such a helpless feeling. And this, I'm, I mean, when I say my best friend, we had a gang we created, not a gang, but we had this group we created and everything called the High Tops because we both had some High Top sneakers. And we told everybody else they couldn't be a part of it. So, you know what I mean? This is like the stuff that shapes you through like elementary and middle school, those formative years. And then to know that I went left and he went right. And I talked to his, his stepmom, who he had grown up with once. And she was saying some of the same stuff like, man, I'm just I'm so proud to see everything that you're doing. I'm so happy for you. Love you so much. All of these things. Man, that stuff tears you up inside when you're by yourself. And and I wish that wasn't the case. I wish I would have had an opportunity to share how hurt I was by my friend passing, even though our relationship wasn't what it was, and by the things that he said to me before he passed, that I was, it was almost like a curse. I had to keep going back and looking at it by the things his stepmother said to me about how she felt about me and how she knew he felt about me. And that stuff will mess you up if you don't deal with it properly. Oh, yeah. Sounds like, well, and let me, so... You know, there's something I think we don't talk about. Think, um, and and I think I fall into this bucket, where we sometimes we're in jobs where there are these unintended consequences, like like death, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, when I was when I was working in law enforcement, um, you know, having to when you're arresting people and then find out that those people commit suicide after you arrest them, you know that. Mm. that's some hard stuff to deal with because it's like, was it my fault that you killed, you know what I'm saying? Was it my wow. fault that you killed yourself? 
And wow. and I've had this situation happen multiple times, not not just once, um, twice, maybe I, I think I know at least at least two times it's happened to me. Uh, and you go back in time and you're like, what if I just wouldn't have followed up on this at this time? Like what what would have happened? What could right. have happened? Would this person still be here today? Would this person you know what I'm saying? And you go in and when you're talking to these people, I think people forget when you're talking to these people, you you literally giving them some life altering things, right? Like if I go in and tell you that you've done something wrong, but then I say it's okay, you you may or may not get arrested for it. You know the things that go through your head. And like for that, you know, for something like that, like I remember I talked to a guy, I was like, look, I was like, I know it may seem bad but I think you're going to be okay. Right. I'm like, and I remember asking him specifically, I was like, you think you're going to, I was like, you don't feel suicidal or anything like that. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. You know, and that was in the story. And then a few days later, he, well, they said it was an accidental death, but the way he killed himself, I don't think it was accidental at all. He literally like was out on his porch cutting um, wood, with a with a chainsaw, or not a chainsaw, but like a some some type of saw, but he wasn't. He had a cutting board like that you cut it on, but he was doing it on his leg. Mm. And you know what I'm saying? So you see, you have these these situations, and you're like, "Am I the cause of that? What did I cause that? Now this person is he doesn't have, or his family is missing, um, missing him. Right? He leaves behind three or four children." And then here I am feeling terrible about it. What was it me that did that? So right. you know, I think that there are times where we don't even think about the jobs that we're in that have yeah. these unintended con- consequences, and how um, you know a lot of times we don't deal with it because we have to compartmentalize it and keep going because we have another task to do. Yeah. So, and to your point, Todd is sometimes we send ourselves down that rabbit hole of yes. the what ifs. And sometimes we have to just let, let it go in whatever way that you choose to let it go in, wh- however that manifests itself. Because, you know, going through, even when I was going through those what if scenarios with my cousin, like, it did not benefit me to do those things. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, at the, end of, at the end of the day, you were doing your job and I'm not the one that was drag racing on the other side of the street that caused my cousin's death. Yeah. And so, you know, you have, you have to keep it, you have to try to keep it, you know, at that level as much as you can. And even to your point about unattended consequences at your job, I mean, obviously I work at a pediatric cancer hospital. There's been several kids that I've gotten close to that did not have positive outcomes. And although I never asked myself, like, what could I have done? What could I have done? Because there's nothing that I could have done to change their outcome. Because right. they're at the you know best place in the world to be treated for what they're what they have, but it still has an effect on you on an everyday basis. Yes, yeah. you know, but it 
it, it you have some sort of a choice to choose how those things fuel you. Yeah. Does it? And for me, I hold those kids that I know that pass very close to my heart, so that when I think I'm having a bad day at work. I can look over at that hospital and remember them and realize like it ain't that bad yep. for me. Yep. And to keep pushing because I know another kid just like him is going to come through that door. And I need to make sure that whatever treatment that that kid needs, he's going to be able to get that. And he's going to, he's going to beat his cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, it, a lot of what we're talking about is, is somewhat of a mindset and it's easy to let your mind go to someplace somewhat dark when you're dealing with dark moments. It's hard to see, you know, that, that silver lining. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and Roy, uh, I, man, it's so crazy that you're saying that. And I, I believe that's why it's so important for what was mentioned earlier in terms of making it okay in our culture to go and talk to people. Right. To like truly seek that assistance from somebody outside of your sphere of influence to just be able to unload all of that stuff on. Uh, because the reality is that's human. Human nature is going to force you to deal with that stuff, which is what could I have done? Even even taking it on a smaller level, if you got kids, your kid falls, your kid hurts themselves and you were fairly close by. The number of questions, man, if I was just if I would have looked one second sooner, I would have seen her tripping before she fell off the porch. You know what I mean? That's human nature for us to do that. But when you're able to unload all of that feeling off of yourself and we talked about it on this show before, one of the things that that is a, a, a heavy burden for us as black men to bear is that we haven't been gifted the opportunity to be able to sit down, slow down, and deal with things like that. We've got to be continually on the move to get to the next place. We got to be better than everybody. We got to work harder. We got to put our name out there more. So when these tragedies befall us, we don't have the opportunity to be like, you know what? It's important in my career for me to pursue this, but right now I need a week. I need two weeks. I need to bereave for real without worrying that me saying I'm not going to be at work is going to be a, a negative where I'm allowed this time to be here with my people, to be here with myself and my and deal with these emotions. And, and one of my hopes for us is that we recognize the value and not just being vulnerable, dealing with our emotions fully, thoroughly until we've gotten beyond them, but also going and seeking a, another venue or another atmosphere where we can unload all of the trouble that builds up on our shoulders because again as black men we have a a, a, a heck of a responsibility and it, it's almost like it doesn't there's never a time where we can stop being responsible even if it means in the face of tragedy and and i want us to be okay with taking a step back i have such a hard time even right now when i'm dealing with stuff that's hard for me emotionally for my wife to be like joel is cool i got you you go sit down you chill i'll take care of all of this it's so hard for me to be like okay that's cool because 
I feel like I have to be strong. And if I'm not out there on the battlefield standing shoulder to shoulder with you, I'm weak and I'm holding our family back. And I just want to preach as hard as I can to anybody listening. Don't get caught in that mindset because it's not true. And it may not be easy to get beyond that because I'm speaking for me right now. My wife was looking at me almost in tears as I'm talking about my grandma and I'm straight. That's a problem. And even even expounding your point a little bit, Joel, it's. From a personal experience, even when I was ready to deal with my emotions and I was opening up to my friends, my emotions were so complex that my friends could not help me. Mm. And, and so that either. No. And so while a friend can listen and it's all and maybe it's great for you in that moment to unload. When you leave, that load will go back on your shoulders slowly but surely. Yes. yes. And so. Seeking professional help. There like we we black man therapy here, but seeking seeking out a real therapist. I love that that is becoming normalized in the black community in, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, and I love that, you know, it's the stereotype of if you're going to see a therapist that somehow makes you weak, that is being dispelled. Um, but I, I just want to encourage people like not all of your friends, your family are not going to be able to rationalize irrational thoughts like sometimes that you need a professional to help like un to navigate those feelings to untangle like what is causing you to feel this way so you can properly deal with it yes yes absolutely and i <clears throat> and uh, uh i hate to cut y'all off but you know what it is so yeah so let's uh go ahead and uh wrap it up who wants to go first? I'll go first. Why not? Um, we have talked a lot today about some heavy things, um, but we've talked about, you know, normalizing things. Um, you know, we've also, well, I say we, I um, also talked about suicidal persons. If you are going through something like that today in these in these times, and obviously right now because we're dealing with COVID, we're dealing with all type of things um, that yes. are happening. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. There's a there's a suicide hotline. It's it's eight hundred two seven three talk. Right, eight hundred two seven three was it eight two five five? Like literally, there are people who will help talk you through it. And you know if you don't feel comfortable talking to those people just send somebody you know a text just say hey mm -hmm. and once they respond y'all just just create something there because all it takes is 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 something small to, to to make sure you stay on track and i'm gonna leave it at that and i'll guess i'll go i'll go next and i'll let the the host of this episode go uh wrap us up but <laughs> that's how um, it works <laughs> yeah you know, I, I just want to tell people whatever you're going through is not unique to you. You know, someone else is going through something similar, you know, circumstances, hardships, and it's easy to feel like you're alone 
and no one will understand what you're going through. But once you start opening up, you realize that what you're feeling isn't so different from what other people have gone through in their life. And so, you know, I just encourage everyone just to like, if you're going through something, you know, tap somebody on the shoulder, like, Hey bro, let me talk to you for a minute. Mm -hmm. Yep. Man. Well, I'll go ahead and close this out. I think both of you have great points. I've dealt with um, suicidal tendencies and, and desires from individuals. I've dealt with loss personally. Uh, I've, I mean, a lot of these situations, I feel like I've seen them firsthand and I've also seen the outcome or the manifestation of hiding from dealing with those feelings and what it looks like specifically to Joel. And, and I'll say to anybody, especially around like a suicidal thought, Todd is right. The reality is they have a lot of hotlines and different things out there for you, but I will be willing to bet most people are a little bit afraid or ashamed to reach out, but there may be somebody in your life that you're, that you're not afraid to reach out to, or you may be a little bit embarrassed. If people knew how much, and I dealt with this personally, so this is why I'm saying this. If people who intended or attempted to commit suicide understood just how much they meant to the people they left behind they might change their minds about even wanting to commit suicide and when people know how much you care about them it can change so much so my last thought is i want my black men to be more comfortable accepting and dealing with the fact that you have emotions and you have a right to experience every last one of them You have people around you that are going to experience emotions. When you shut folks down, you put them in a position where they have to try to figure out how to deal with it on their own. And that's never a good look. It's never anything positive that comes from that. Even if it's not suicide, but if it's just some negative behavior somebody picks up in order to deal with the situation that they're currently facing. So make sure that not only are you okay with accepting the fact that you have emotions you're not dissing or making somebody else feel weak for having them and that when somebody is going through something if there's something you can do to help them try to help them even if it's just words of encouragement and sometimes it can literally just be a text a text can save a life remember that believe that yes remember that love on anybody that you can love on as much as they'll let you because one day you're going to need that love back. And I'll leave it there. Well, you've heard the church announcements. Govern yourselves accordingly. As we always say at the end. So, if everybody has nothing else to say, I guess I'll say it like I always say it. We out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>